Firefly Willows L.I.V.E. presents Evolve, featuring your host, Robin White Turtle Lisney. Hi, this is Robin White Turtle Lisney, and the show is Evolve, and my guest today is Adela Najaro, and she is a poet and author of two poetry collections, Split Geography and Twice Told Over. She teaches creative writing and literature and composition at Cabrillo College. Uh, for this semester, spring of 2016, which is still a, an open class, uh, she has a class yeah. called Poetry for the People, which is a workshop where Cabrillo students explore personal voice and social justice through poetry and spoken word. Must be a, It's going to be a great class. For more information about Adela and her work, you can look at her website, www.adelanajaro.com and it's A-D-E-L-A-N-A-J-A-R-R-O.com. So welcome, Adela. Thank you, Robin, for having me here. It's so great to be here to talk and chat. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I um, was so impressed that you had two books that came out this year, which is like unbelievable. Well, I've been trying to get them out for more than 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if both of them at the same time, but they kept evolving. And then all of a sudden... Um, I had all these poems and I, you know, I kept on changing, uh, which one is it? Twice told over. I kept on changing it and changing it. And then it got to a point where it's like, I'm not changing it anymore. And I kept writing and writing. And then I just had enough poems for two books. I sent them both out, um, twice told over, got taken. And then, um, split geography originally was a chat book, which is a small book, like, uh, around 25 pages. Right. And the, um, the editor at Mouthfield Press, um, she was like, well, my lines were too long. Mm. And so she's like, can you like play with the lines so that they fit on the pages? But once we did that, the book grew to like 38, 40 pages. And I'm like, well, you know, full-length collection's really close. <laughs> can I put in a few more poems and change? And she said, yes. And so I really appreciate Mouthfield's Press support. Uh, and encouragement and going with the idea. So then so then I was able to get both of them out at the same time. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, it was. It was really exciting. Now, who published Twice Told Over? Um, it's a new press in Davis called Unsolicited Press. And their motto is, they publish the best of what comes to them unsolicited, uh, <laughs> which is uh -huh. funny. But I think I think what they want to do is they're writers themselves who yeah. have other, they have other jobs and things, but they've made this press because they want to publish and they want to participate in the poetry world. And they do fiction too, though. And so they're, they're out there trying to help people get published, get their books out. Uh -huh. And, um, they enjoy, uh, contributing. And, and my whole thing with, with that, with that press is it's kind of exciting to be at the beginning of a new press yes, because you know, what's going to happen 10 years from now, right. they'll have, you know, have published all these books and, yes. you know, and I'll be able to say, Oh yes, I was there at the beginning. Yeah. Um, I think they've been there for maybe three, four years now. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So, yeah. Well, and it takes time for a press uh, in my experience with with our press with blue bomb books it takes time to kind of find out what your channel is and what you're really here to do and as we've collected poets it's like oh these are doubly you know these are visual artists as well as poets and or they're musicians or they're double talents so that's kind of become the moniker of our press and now we're 
we're not quite ready to get the new first books out, but we're we're getting there. So it ta- yeah, it, it takes, takes a time. while to build the press, and yeah. it's so nice that um, now I, I really see a lot of new presses out there, and mm-hmm. and we don't just have to hope that some stranger thousands of miles away likes our book over you know there's so many more opportunities is right. I guess what I'm trying to say and right. so that's really nice there are yeah yeah, yeah. so great well <clears throat> I want to talk about your poetry because and then talk talk about poetry too because poetry in general is one of those art forms that um you know, people say, oh, nobody buys poetry, da, 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 and, you know, it's kind of passe, but I, I don't see that. I see people, like, going crazy with poetry in different forms and really loving it, and people that are in it are incredibly passionate about it. So what what drew you to poetry as opposed to, you know, fiction writing or memoir or another genre? Well, um I just finished an essay on that, which is which is hilarious. But um, it, it's from my family because uh, my family's from Nicaragua, and I was born here. Mm-hmm. But my first language was Spanish, and as I grew up, my uh, parents, grandparents, uncles, uh, some even some of my cousins were from Nicaragua. So our family always spoke Spanish and then English as the kids grew up. And then it became this mixture of Spanish-English. At the same time, because we were immigrants, um, we were, uh, my, the entire family was new to the country, moved a lot, new jobs, new experiences, new culture, all these things. And um, what I wrote about in my essay this actually this morning was was that fluctuation, the non-linearity of it, and the two languages. That's why I went to poetry, because it matched my understanding and my family's understanding of the world. That mm-hmm. fluctuation, mixture, uh, change is okay. Mm-hmm. And it really comes out in poetry. You can mm-hmm. do that in a poem. Mm-hmm. Very, very, you know. Very can well. change direction really quickly. In a exactly. And it sometimes starts someplace and it ends up somewhere else. Right, so. right. And like you don't have to keep the storyline if you don't want to. You can mm-hmm. start it off and go off somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, I don't I don't think I've done fiction. I haven't done fiction. I mean, I've done nonfiction. Mm-hmm. But poetry is where it hits. Is I think it's just my, my worldview matches the play that poetry can take on. Ah, oh, that's a really interesting idea that the wor- your worldview matches poetry. I I really like that. That's interesting. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. what? Let me ask you this question: What What do you feel makes a good poem? When you're, what do you strive for in your poetry? Well, um, what long time ago when I was trying to figure out what do I want to do with poems. Um, I first, it's been a journey. I I first started writing because I wanted to communicate. I Mm -hmm. wanted to have a voice. It's Mm -hmm. almost like I wanted to exist, right? So by writing, I was alive, like proof, here world, here I am, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But then I found out, (laughs) unfortunately, no, well... It is a good story. I was in a in a workshop, mm-hmm. and I had spent time writing these poems, and I gave it to the to the group, and nobody understood what I was writing about, and I was <laughs> heartbroken. I was like, "Why? You know, if my purpose was to be heard and seen, and then they didn't get it, I was like, 
Oh my God. What? <laughs> well, there goes that. But, but no, cause I, I had to work around it and I realized, um, is that there's not a one to one correlation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a hard thing to, to realize as a human being that nobody's ever really going to know exactly what you've been through and what you've gone through. We all can just approximate closeness yeah, right? right and 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 even in our families i mean our our parents perhaps our siblings if we have positive relationships uh you know they might know us as well as anybody can possibly know us mm-hmm. but there's always you're always a, there's always a separation there's mm-hmm. always a separation mm-hmm. and so um so so once i started uh working in that direction acknowledging that mm-hmm. then i realized that uh poetry had to be more than what I had originally started writing and that it had to be an art form where I was trying to create something outside of me. Mm-hmm. Right. So then you get the, um, attention to language, attention to sound, attention. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I really like is, um, I want to capture our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think poems are documents in time mm-hmm. and I'm a doc, I'm a document in time. So mm-hmm. my understanding of this time is what goes in the poem. So I so I like to capture um, the sounds of today. Ah, uh-huh. great. If, if that you know, and I yeah, I don't know how to say that. Besides that, I like that. No, and- the sounds of today. That's great because then you're also as a as a um, bicultural person, you're also capturing what's happening in our culture. Yes, as a bicultural person, because you have the sounds of Spanish and the sounds of English, and both of those are very ingrained and part of who you are. Right, right. And that's part of what's happening in the United States today, Mm -hmm. that the United States is moving towards this um, fusion of all nationality. Like what we've always said, that we've been a melting pot. I mean, the United States is becoming more and more that, more and more cultures, and people don't have to lose their culture anymore. Yeah. You know, it's not not something of like, forget where you've come from. People can keep where they've come from and become American and you know what does that mean yeah and I'm, I hope I'm trying to do a little bit of that in my poems yeah yeah a little bit a well little bit. why don't you read one of your poems maybe now I have to do time. oh well he, okay well here's 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 um oh if I can find it let me see no it went away oh here it is okay so here's and unfortunately one of the things in our culture is Oh, feeling outside. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was writing these poems, some of these poems, especially in split geography. I was writing them when I was in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And I really felt um, uh, othered in mm-hmm. Michigan. I felt I really, because like, like I was in Kalamazoo and there was an intersection mm-hmm. and that was where the Latino people hung out. I mean, it was like four blocks. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I had to look it up. There was three percent of Michigan's population was Latino at the time, so it was really, really small. And it made me appreciate California, mm-hmm. how diverse we are here. So I wrote about it, and of course, it has. So here, I'll just read it. Una muchachita. You see, it's me. I saw on a signpost in Michigan. El corazón es rojo y suda lágrimas. Lucky, the name of my cat, black and white with a heart. La flor, el caracol, la puerta estaba abierta. I looked upon the sun and wondered, big bright yellow thing in the sky, sol is sun. One word for something so big, the language in me, is not enough for you. No, no, I'm a little girl, una muchachita, 
Take it like a man, an American. Stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. But I don't talk like you. I don't think like you. Does that mean I don't know nothing? See, see, which language? Yes. If I catch the words, will you give me a job as a singer in a band? A marching band on the 4th of July. Red, white, and blue are the colors that stand for you. But me rhymes with flea. La cucaracha ya no pudo caminar. He got stoned and was squashed by a Texan steel toe boot. Wow. Wow. That's great. Yeah. So now you wrote that in Kalamazoo? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. I did. I did because, because I felt so isolated. So I was thinking, you know, I was looking at Michigan and I'm like, where am I here? Where do I belong here? And that that's kind of the poem. And then I thought about, you know, it, it brought me to Texas because there's an immigration, um, migration of, of um, harvest right. from Texas all the way up to Michigan because right. they have uh, fruit orchards in Michigan. Right. So the migrant population, so the, the Mexicans in, in Michigan were largely migrant workers or they had been migrant workers a few generations ago and stayed in the area, right? right? right. And so I was thinking, then it got me thinking about Texas and then when you think about Texas, then I started thinking about those cowboy boots. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. there's a song. Do you know the song? La Cucaracha, La sure, Cucaracha. Sure. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So all these ideas were, were rolling, rolling in my head. And, um, and that's what I, you know, what going back to what I was saying about capturing U.S. experience. That mm. is U.S. experience, mm. that conflict of, you know, am I American? Am I Mexican? Am I Nicaraguan? What, you know, you know, what am I? How do I fit in all this? Yeah. Am I red, white, and blue? Yeah. Am I a flea? Yeah. You know, <laughs> am I cutthroat? <laughs> yeah. And sometimes we all feel these, you know, we feel these ways. So, yeah. And yeah. we feel that way. I mean, no matter what flavor or color we are, we right. feel that way. So it really is speaking to people's yeah. identities in yeah. a big way. So. Yeah. And how do we relate to the bigger culture? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's great. How do we make it through? <laughs> so were you in Western Michigan for graduate school, or were yes. you living there? Yes, um, I was in Western Michigan University um, at Kalamazoo. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, that's where I went to graduate school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was really nice. I, I actually loved it. I had the four seasons, uh-huh. snow. Yeah. It was good. And were you in your doctorate program yes. then? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Okay, yeah. great. So it was nice. It yeah, was good. yeah, yeah. Great school, great doctoral program. yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I know that it's uh, in Michigan, it's considered a really good program because I used to live in Michigan, too, oh, okay. and um, years ago, and it was in Jackson County, and uh, uh, kind of went around Lansing, Ann Arbor, Jackson, and that was kind of my... Yeah, yeah, area, but then I would go to cl- teach classes and things all over the state. So. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. Michigan's nice, beautiful, it's beautiful state. Beautiful state, I love beautiful it. state. Yeah. 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 All right, so you have another poem for us? Let's um, sure. Let's do another sure. one. Oh, I know. How about that last one was from your uh, sec- split geography? From split geography. Split uh-huh. geography, and this one I can do from um, twice told over. Okay. And let's see. Oh, well, here, here's, so another thing that I like to do is, um, because my uh, family and poetic voice is from Nicaragua, um, I try to play off 
European, English, British, American writers. So one of the things I wrote this poem, it's called Dear Parrot. And it started off a play of um, Ode to a Nightingale. Mm -hmm. And I love that poem, you know, Keats' Ode to a Nightingale. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, where was my family during Keats's time? And I realized... Oh, well, you, there, were, there were no nightingales in Nicaragua, you know. So why don't you do a poem called Ode to a Parrot? Ah, there you go. <laughs> so that's where it started, and, uh. and then this is where, where it goes. Uh, Dear Parrot, even though you sit in a cage at the zoo and have not replaced the nightingale, beauty rests still in the city where creation rises from a botanist's soiled thumb where purple pansies float in cement boxes and honeysuckle, or perhaps gardenia, scent the sidewalk past powder blue mums. I have kissed a lipless mouth and made love with three serrated knives. We are vulnerable to the swollen body. In Fontana, California, St. Joe's, Michigan, among those crowded on New York streets, we have too much and too little. My Theo's eyes open and his mouth frozen wide on crisp hospital sheets. The dying do not let go. Their melodious song runs through a lavender sky folded over a county road. Mistakes accomplished, a hand held not long enough, love goes too quickly and nothing more may come. Birds do not remember nor witness our longing under a ball of helium gas through the millions of continuous miles of empty expanse. Light fixtures fall out from the walls and dust accumulates upon panes of broken glass. And you, dear bird, you too were born for death among toucans, parakeets, and the sunken eye of one crocodile in the murk of a river, a river impossible to tame where parrots screech instead of sing. Mm. Wow, that's beautiful. So you really wove in the pain of death and the reality of the parrot and how different that is from the ideal of the nightingale. <laughs> exactly. I, I think I, I for, when I was rereading the poem, I realized that one of my, or remembered, one of my reactions to that poem was that it was uh, the the idealization of right. beauty and ho and I was like, man, we live in a really hard world. Yeah, you yeah. know the uh, the world's cold. It's cold and icy out there. Yeah. I remember thinking that. Yeah. yeah, and and at the end there, um, the sunken eye of one crocodile in the murk of a river, a river impossible to tame. I was trying to make this image of this uh, Amazonian river with a crocodile in it, mm -hmm. and there's a classic. Um, uh, novel Doña Barbara mm. in in Span it's a Central American novel or or South American I'm not I'm not 100% sure but it's a classic of the Spanish uh canon and in that book um it talks about the barbarity of the jungle mm. and it ends or I think one of the final images of the book is that image. So I was trying to mm -hmm. pull it in and trying to mix Latin American mm -hmm. literary history with that of England and put it together, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and, and mix it like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, because we are, if you're looking at literature, I mean, today, we really need to draw on the literature of all of who we are, which isn't just 
from the West, of course, it's from the East and from South America, and it's from indigenous people. And it's that's what I was going to say that your writing is so influenced by indigenous writing, yeah, and point of view, and it's really important to expand ourselves into these other areas, right? And with those different cultures, we have different takes on what we're here for and what we're doing here. So language becomes the way that we really explore that. It's great. Well, we're going to take a little break, and we'll come right back. So I'm with Adela Najarro, and she is a professor at Cabrillo College, and she's also the author of two poetry collections that we're exploring right now, Split Geography and Twice Told Over. And we'll be right back. Evolve, nurturing the new in consciousness, the arts, and culture, with your host, Robin White Turtle Lisney. Evolve brings you people and ideas on the cutting edge of change, opening the shells of the past to move our culture into the now. We are all in great need of sustainable ideas for change. Evolve brings you the wise, the foolish, and the heart-based to help us meet the challenges of our times. Join us the third Thursday of the month at 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Evolve. Our musical selection today is Celia Cruz with Prende La Vida. This is Robin White Turtle Listening, and the show is Evolve. And my guest today is Adela Najarro, who is a teacher at Cabrillo College, as well as the author of two poetry collections, Split Geography and Twice Told Over. Um, so I'm glad to have you back. And we were having such a great conversation before the break um, about cultural uh, melding, really, cultural melding, and also contrast and things that kind of who am I? You know, this that exploration of who I am I. So tell me about your titles of your books because they tell a lot about this whole idea of who am I, um, what you've been researching and looking for. Yeah, yeah. So so both of the books, um, you know, titles are so hard. And it worked, for a long time I was figure, trying to figure out the titles. And then when I got them, I got them, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, that's it. And because it's not just like a sticker. 
it's actually what I would like, because I teach college composition, it's almost like the thesis statement, <laughs> a little bit of the whole collection. Um, so split geography was is is about that split in my worldview, in my personal history, in my family history of uh, my parents coming, all the adults in my family were born in Nicaragua. Mm -hmm. And then, but myself, some of my cousins, some cousins immigrated later, um, were here in the United States. And mm -hmm. so all the family stories, you know, mm -hmm. uncle so-and-so did this. And when I was a little girl, when I was a little boy, they're all set in Nicaragua. Mm -hmm. And, but mine are all here in the United States in uh, suburbia of Southern California. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge split um, in terms of uh, distance, time, culture, ev even the, the setting like suburbia versus uh, farm country. And, mm -hmm. and even though there are some, they were raised in Managua, but even the cities seem different than our cities. Mm -hmm. They don't seem like, L Managua does not seem like LA. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just uh, older. So, sometimes I used to think of Nicaragua as um, uh, like 1880. Like, it seems like my mom's stories would be Europe 1880, but it was Nicaragua 1940. <laughs> you know, it's, uh -huh. it seemed, uh -huh. people seemed more traditional, more old-fashioned. Mm -hmm. And maybe it was the myth-making, you know, that mm -hmm. the stories are being told. So the split geography. And then uh, on top of that, I went to Michigan. And so we had California and Michigan. So there was like Nicaragua, United States, California, Michigan. And to me, Michigan really amplified or, or exemplified um, mid-America. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, it's so Midwestern. And, and so I wanted to see, well, what is mid-America? You know, mm -hmm. what is this place? Because California is very diverse, very multicultural. You know, it's not only Latino, white. There's like so, I mean, the huge cultural Thai, Cambodian, uh, so many the different Asian cultures. Yeah, there's and, like a hundred languages spoken in the school districts in LA, and and another you know, and a hundred up in San Francisco, and uh, yeah, there's at least it's not just two languages, Spanish and English. It's it's dozens of languages that yes. that are here that are being spoken, and yeah. so so I went to Michigan. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons I went to Michigan, one was for the program, but I went there because I wanted to experience this Mid America. What mm -hmm. is a Mid America? What is it like, and all those things. And so then, um, the book then has a, a, a rural, suburban, Midwestern mm -hmm. to urban California. Mm -hmm. You know, and so there's splits a lot. In, yeah. in many, many different ways. And then um, going back to what we spoke of earlier, that split to me is not something to be worried about. Right. It's authentic to life. Mm -hmm. um, and split is not as in something broken. It's as something that um, maybe you're, you're more than just one thing, mm -hmm. right? And you can mm -hmm. change tones sure. from one place to another and fit in here and fit in there and yeah and it all it all goes together yeah yeah and then twice told over um is very similar in its idea but again in this one is the the twice has to do with um language because mm -hmm. some of the poems are bilingual some of them are in english but it has more levels it's um the bilingual language spanish mm -hmm. english but then it's also the twice told over that i tell a lot of family stories mm -hmm. so i'm retelling what i've been told mm -hmm. and then like the dear parrot poem that we just read i'm also taking uh literature from the past 
and revamping it into my own interpretation or dialogue with mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of layer, layers of what's been twice told over. And again, it like we're not by ourselves. We're right. not the first people to walk on this planet. Right, right, right. You know, there's a lot that's gone before us. And yeah. then how do we integrate with it and, right. con- and push into the future? Right, right, right. How do we move forward with what we've learned from our ancestors? Mm-hmm. You know, my <clears throat> I think of it, you know, my ancestors come largely from the Chicago area. And I think of um, they were Norwegian immigrants and Danish immigrants and... Uh, mostly Norwegian and Danish and Scottish some Scot- and the Scots were here like five, 15 generations, but the others were only one or two generations. And that contrast between my grandmother who experienced herself as always being from here and by God, you know, she was the oldest American of all of us <laughs> because of that to uh, my grandparents talking about, you know, fishing in Norway and the, they were fishermen, and they came over here to, you know, raise their families and how how they were starving over there, and they had to come over here. And yeah. like, there are lots of stories about that. Yeah. So they never kind of framed it that way, but it was like, well, this is a better place to raise our kids. Right. And then you learn about all the second son stuff, you know, like the the only the, the first son could inherit land, so the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, tenth son didn't get any land. They just worked for the older brother, which set up really awful dynamics in the family so so that's why a lot of Norwegian immigrants came over here so you find out about this stuff you know of course after they're all gone but it's been fascinating it's fascinating to understand how we got here and why we got here well and that story of hunger I mean that that's one of my families too why did they come to the United States Mm -hmm. hunger Mm -hmm. and I, I think if you think about it like that and you go well you know there's people directly related to me who had to migrate due to hunger yes it allows you to understand others yes of why you know how how could you not encourage immigration right. if people are hungry? I mean, if, if, if immigration is something as a country we shouldn't allow, then how are we going to help those people in other places who are hungry and don't have the capability to make a living? And right. it just I, I find that personal connection, uh, when you understand your own past, you can see the correlations today. Right. Right. And, right. It, and it makes you see the connections to where it's, what's not you. Right, and because it's this very, very, very small percentage of people that had, you know, a silver spoon in their mouth. I mean, most people came from immigrant backgrounds and cultures where people were starving, and that's why they came. Yeah. 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 So, well, can you read one of those poems in Twice Told Over? Well, let's see if I can, let me see if I can find a family one. Um, Yeah. Do you do and there's so many, um, you know, there's so many people that are experiencing that today. Of course, with all the big migrations in Syria and that's Iran exactly and Iraq, what I was you know. thinking. Yeah, that's so exactly what we're, I was we're in a yeah. migratory phase again here. So, so here's one, and I don't. Um, let's let's see how this goes. Uh, San Martin de Porres. I found my grandmother in a shoebox and through a mirror. She is the center of a corn tortilla layered with leftover chicken and Monterey Jack cheese. Us cousins, los primos, are folded under a rosary and abuelita mintas santos. 
Nuestra Familia, at the feet of the saints in her bedroom altar, when I was plump as an Iowa corn-fed chicken in California, Pico Rivera, and my mother exalted my meaty legs, hers were thin to the bone. As a teenager, with a new beginning of breasts and voluptuous curves, I spent four weeks in Nicaragua for a quick look around at the homeland. A storm came in and the sky slid black. Overgrown trees, bushes, an entire wall of green lining a paved asphalt highway reached up electrified as though all was alive, in need of water, of rain, in need of a storm, la tormenta. A word that holds within itself the tumultuous sky. How nature, my nature, our nature, is the cause of suffering. And how an angry downpour is always ready and willing to wipe us clean. El clima es bárbaro. The climate will kill you with its <laughs> gentle murmurs and violent caresses. Nicaragua's heat and humidity, moist air alive in itself. I have kept moving north and dream of snow, quiet, cool, clear ice. I want it cold and gray, snow angels fanned under three pine trees. Place a finger on an ice cube and it melts back to water, back to the essential, back to the love of nuestra familia. Before anger, I sketched Abuelita Minta in a college-ruled notebook and found a Snickers bar on a curio shelf. In my mouth melted sugary sweet chocolate as I ventured into her bedroom. There, Abuelita had propped my picture up against San Martin de Porres, a Dominican brother found suspended in air over a church floor, ecstatic in prayer for the lost for the homeless and the homebound. Mm. Yeah, that, that my grandmother had an altar of saints in her bedroom. Uh -huh. And so I, I remember sneaking in there. I mean, that's totally true. And seeing, oh, look, my picture. She's been praying for me. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I thought that was great. I thought yeah. that was awesome. That was wonderful. And she had you in that communion of saints. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're one of the, the ones that's the hopeful one of getting... Yeah. You know, out beyond where yeah. where they may have been in the poverty that they lived right, in. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's so great. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, um, uh, do you have another story of your ancestors? Because I'd love to. Yeah, sure. More. I have one here, um, 40, let me, page 40. This one is, let me see. Okay, yeah, um. So this, this, yeah, here's an, another one. This is the other side of the family, my, my, um, my father's mother, Los Muertos. After cooking in the kitchen and listening to Celia Cruz, Lela opens her home, the dining table piled high with chicken, carne asada, arroz, tortillos y más, and the old folks chatted up in Spanish. The stories del pasado. Once again, they are beginning. The first kiss. The first moment my father got lost within a woman's embrace. Momentary passion. He was destined to return and return and return to until this day. The stories. 
allí platicando, the pals from the old days pass around pictures. Black and white with a pale border finish. Men smiling, hanging about, flashed photographed, younger than I am now. Five women seated in a booth, bonitas todas, the waves and bobs released from pin curls, each beautifully yearning tomorrow's embrace. They ended, matched one to the other, their lives, so many children, the days spent until las arrugas and gray hairs show time gone astray. Tia Sonia raises up a picture of the robust young men. She wonders, who should we invite next time? And starts to count. Están muertos, she says, one finger touching each departed face. Ese, y ese, y ese también. Mm. So yeah, so she found in the pictures that they had been pa they had passed away. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, so all of her family is a part of the reality of getting older. Yeah. But also the reality of her life that all the ones she wanted to invite were gone already. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, that's hard. That's yeah. hard. And then the youth, how you're young and old and mm -hmm. how life continuously changes. Mm -hmm. How we can't put a rain on it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Yeah. Well, we're going to take another little break, and we'll be right back. This is Robin White Turtle Listening, and I'm show is Evolve, and I'm speaking with Adela Najarro, who is the author of two books, Split Geography and Twice Told Over, and she teaches creative writing and literature and composition at Cabrillo College here in Santa Cruz, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is your host for Evolve, Robin White Turtle Listening. And I wanted to share with you a few of the other things that I do in the world beside the radio show. In addition, I'm an energy medicine practitioner in the Bay Area and across the country by phone. And I work uh, through East West Bookshop in Mountain View, California. So you can always find me there on Fridays. In addition, I have uh, five books. Uh, four of them are nonfiction and one is a fiction book. Uh, that's actually based on facts called Poems for the Lost Year. The other books are Heart Path, Heart Path Handbook, and prior to that, Sacred Living and Dancing Up the Moon. Um, my recent, more recent books, Heart Path and Heart Path Handbook, uh, teach people self-love. And this is the foundation of my practice, that love does heal all things. You can find out more uh, about my work on my website, www.thecenterforthesoul.com. And uh, you can also check out the books on www.bluebonebooks.com. And now we'll go back to the show. This is Robin White Turtle Listening. The show is Evolve, and I'm here with Adela Naharo, who is a poet and also a creative writing teacher. And um, uh, we were just talking at the break about her family and um, she just read two wonderful poems about her grandmothers and now she has one about her mother which is one of my favorites so would okay. you read that oh my pleasure okay. um and and my mother has always been a beautiful woman she's beautiful to this day she's in her 80s she's gorgeous even though she denies it but i think she's gorgeous and um she had very high arched feet uh -huh. so i always looked at my mother's feet so ode to my mother's feet <laughs> The shadow of a birdcage 
drapes across the arch of my right foot. My mother's strappy sling sandals. Strips of black patent leather shine a little flamboyant, but always my mother's touch of sophistication made her who she was. Not a Mrs. Wilson or a Mrs. Brown or Mrs. What's-Her-Name who owned the house next door and would stay in one place a lifetime more than our ten months. We kept moving while Mrs. Darcy conducted a lesson in social studies and bell curves. It was fifth grade, and my full flaring hips were the result of too many nacho-flavored Doritos. I had been sung to sleep with Lorca's Poema del Canto Hondo, La Guitarra, El Grito, y El Silencio. But my shoes never quite fit. A narrow heel sliding out of a Payless two-for-one special. As I ran and tripped full court under a slam-dunk basket, at least I was styling. It has always been about my mother's shoes and her talent, the rollers, bobby pins, brushes, and combs. She has stood behind a chair and teased heads into moments of perfection, brushed the curl of youth onto ladies with skin soft as overripe fruit. They had one more moment of beauty in an oval mirror fastened to the lime green wall of a salon. Beauty earned through time and care of babies and the tending of windows down against a frost whipping through two pines. My mother reshaped their finite layers of dust into the beautiful, the calm, into one more moment strewn over boxes in the attic, coats, lanterns, old books tied with string. It comes from her feet, the arches, the force of geometry and the strength of points held in equilibrium. Wedged blocks of stone from ancient aqueducts converted the weight of water cascading into Rome downward. The pressure from above diverted to soil, dispersed into the sound of a cricket scratching somewhere on a lawn. I remember my mother's feet, the nails painted red and the arches strapped in heels. She kept a pumice stone in the shower. Her labor was to keep the skin smooth, brush off all that was dead used up. I love how you go from your mother's feet to the stories of other women to the aqueducts. That was a big surprise. And then back to your mother's feet right. again. Well, because I was thinking of arches. Oh, arches. Ah. Right? And the Roman aqueducts are those arches, right? right? And right. so the strength of that form is the strength of my mother's foot, ah. which is, so in her body, she yeah. has the strength to hold up the world. Yes. And and then jump out women. Yeah. Have the strength to hold up the world in you know through our bodies. Yes. You know, that's yes. a, you know, that's a, four steps below, but that's I was hope that's what I was writing about yeah, about, yeah, you know, yeah. that we don't have to stay in the death. That that was another thing I I've, I've been writing about um even though I do find myself writing about death. Mm-hmm. I was very irritated Many times when, oh, God, are we going to write a, read more about death? Yeah. I don't want to read about death. I want to read about life. Yeah. We're alive. Yeah. You know, yeah, we're all going to die, but <laughs> let's yeah. read about life. Yeah. And um, I think that might be a female, like if you're going to say women's literature, right? The focus on life because our bodies 
produce life. Yes. We tend to life. Mm-hmm. We, you know, all women, we in our traditional roles, we cook, we nurture, we mm-hmm. care. Mm-hmm. We're about life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I want, when I write about the women, I try to capture that, that, that beauty of, of just the women in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and now uh, I'm glad that I can do both, that mm-hmm. I can go out. And, and I always say with feminism, like when I'm teaching, that that feminism doesn't mean that women can't stay in the home. Mm-hmm. It just means we have the choice now. Right. 150 years ago, you didn't have a choice. Even 50 years ago, we didn't have the choice. Yeah, you didn't have yeah. the choice. Right. But now you have the choice. And I don't believe, like, if you look back, on what does it mean to be a woman? Mm-hmm. Well, that's our strength. Our bodies are mm-hmm. made for life. Right, right. So we don't have to get rid of that. We don't have to become men to become powerful. No, we already are powerful. It's about Ex- recognizing yes. our power, not yes. not becoming men to do that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And and our feet, you know, have those arches. Yes. Right? So right. in our very feet are is the strength to carry the world in, yeah. the, in women and live life. Now, do you find in your family that the women are are kind of the backbone of the family for the most part? I mean, I know that in you know in Norwegian families, it's like the women are strong, the men are good looking, and all the children are above <laughs> average, and that's really true. It's like the women are the ones who run things, even though it's a patriarchal culture. But do you find that in Nicaragua and in your ancestry with your grandmothers mm. and your mother? Well, I can't speak for everyone, but it feels that way. Mm-hmm. It, it does feel that way um, because, like, uh, I seem to know how to navigate a patriarchal culture. Mm-hmm. So how, what, what does that mean? Is, is for example, if, if there's a, a co-worker or something that I need a male to accomplish, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. I can read them. Mm-hmm. And I can I can figure out how to do it. Like I, I, I don't. I, am I giving secrets away? Oh my God! You know. No. But but I can go up to him and say, Oh, I need some help doing this, mm-hmm. and it doesn't kill me because it's like, I, why not? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like I know, and then uh, I get what I need. They get what they need, mm-hmm. and it kind of works together. And and yeah. so, um, in and we all live in patriarchy. Yes. And and what one of the things women have done through history, again the history, right? Knowing your history, is women know how to uh, work the guy to get what you want. Yeah. Oh my God, that's horrible! But no, it's true though. I know. Well, I think we, <laughs> well, I think that women had to do that in order to have any kind of power balance of power. I know, right? Southern. My grandmother was southern. And um, she had no qualms. I mean, she was a master manipulator, even though she was always doing it for the good of the whole. Exactly. I mean, there, she was doing it for the good of the whole, but, yes. you know, she could look at you and, and, the, and the world would start changing because you knew that that look meant X, right. Y, Z, Y, you know, right. and you better, like, count out to what she's doing. Right. So there was always a, uh, there was always that strength that she had that was kind of, bowled us all over yes my you know we used to say my grandmother could change the weather because (laughs) she did every fourth of july that somehow it never rained on the fourth of july when my grandmother was having a picnic you know (laughs) and she said well i had to talk to with god today you know and we're just not going to have that are we (laughs) and that would be it and And, and and i think i mean i said that is what you know patriarchy is worldwide and it's been going on um I have come not come across a country a culture that I've studied intensely that isn't patriarchal. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and some of the women have more 
rights and things, but um, they're all patriarchal. And, and when we look back at British American, um, women didn't have uh, land ownership rights, didn't have voting rights. Um, oh, you know that saying, um, oh, it, anyway, there's so many sayings that come because it was legal to beat your wife. Yeah, right, right, right. I mean. Yeah, and that was just yeah. the first part of the 19th yes. 20th century, really. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. the, the vote didn't come in until the 20s yeah. in this country. Yeah. And I don't think it came until later in England. Right. So, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it, so when you think of the balance of power in history, um, you know, where women had to be the strong ones because of things that were going on with a man. I mean, if he, if he lost his job or whatever, you know, she had to be the one to hold things together. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, I have a poem, but the final poem called Twice Told Over oh, yeah, yeah. Is, 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 I'll explain it a, a little bit, um, but just the circumstance because it fits into this conversation. So as I'm studying literature and trying to figure out how to write my poems, um, you know, I came across, well, I want the Latin American literary history, the British, the American literary history, open my mind up to world literature and, and put that all in there. Um, but then it also came down to being a woman, mm -hmm. that no matter where you look, mm -hmm. it was always the women who were cast aside, who were the asterisk in the books. You know, it's always the men have the book, and then there's three women at the end. Or, mm -hmm. or you know, if they're nice, they put them in between. But mm -hmm. there, was, there has not been parody. Yes. Male-female parody in the arts has not yet been accomplished. But we can. So, so my whole poem <laughs> about this twice told over was that, is that all these stories have been told, and now it's our turn. Yes. Now it's our turn. So, um, so I'm going to read this poem, the title for the book, Twice Told Over. And so we arrive together. The way out is into other. Not those other two girls we used to be. Afraid and behind a closed bedroom door at 3 a.m. We've become a couple of smart cookies. Just like Alfonsina Storni, la poeta, from the gutter, her life and art opposite Argentina, Argentina's elite thought machine. 1934 and a woman at that. Alfonsina gruñó en voz de loba, a low guttural growl from a wolf mother a single mother, different, and therefore alone. One afternoon, she bought a black pen from an angel hawking his wares on a corner and threw the cracked iron canyon into her bag where it settled alongside Kleenex and dried flowers. She walked away strong, solitary, and insistent that the body electric is a female body. The pelvis cracked and open. We're still standing. Between want and desire, we proselytize Helen's role in Homeric verse, while fine-tuning an ear toward an angel or a voice from the goddess. We never go far from knowing intimately how much there is in a leaf brown before vanishing into snow and ice, knowing what remains at the juncture of two perpendicular lines even if they don't exist in Borges' circular labyrinth, his maze within a room, within a simple circle, within a pure geometric form. We can transform what has been written into a tarnished silver platter, a chip in a kitchen's formica counter, a grain of rice 
hard and dusty, languishing in a corner. Insignificant details, twice told over and then once more. It's our turn now. You and I can jump right in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and you know, this makes me remember um, that being other really opens your eyes because you have to survive, right? Yes. And so you notice more, you see more. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the future arts, perhaps they're going to, you know, the next books in the next 50 years, maybe they will be women dominated yes. and minority dominated and other dominated because of the fresh perspectives yes. that our lives demand, right? And yes. bring yes. about yeah. humanity and how do we live and well, what you do know, we do? <laughs> uh, well, and I think that um, I know for myself, like, I mean, I, I'm, my ancestry's primarily white, although I'm sure I have some African ancestry in there somewhere on the southern side. Um, uh, but I know that my, the ones I learned from are, are mostly people of color right now. Like Lucille Clifton is one of my heroes. I right. love her book. Right, I love right. her, her recent collections. And, um, and other African-American authors, mostly women, or women that have come from harder circumstances than I was raised in teach me about life from their perspective that informs the whole culture. Yeah. Like your poems about um, recently, the, the first ones you read, you know, it, it's informing the whole culture about what we have to deal with is starvation and all these things that humanity deals with. Right. And I think that there's a way, like, I'm also really influenced by Native American authors and um, Joy Harjo, for instance, and some of, the, some of the others that have really informed me about how they perceive the culture because I, I align a lot with that philosophy of um, the earth, we're all part of the earth and we're, you know, yeah. dependent on it and we better start treating her like a <laughs> sacred being. Yeah. Um, but it's really the body of the mother. I mean, it is the mother's body that um, becomes what's sacred in the in those traditions. Yeah. And the same in the African tradition. The mother becomes the strong one, especially when, you know, men are, black men are targeted in so many ways. Yeah. African men are targeted in this culture. And and I think re reading these uh, works, it, it what, one of the Things that I hope is not happening in, in American U.S. culture, mm -hmm. which might be happening, is um, a feeling of futility, uselessness, mm -hmm. nothing matters. Right. And I don't think that's true. No, no. I, I think there's so much that matters in our world. Right. I think earlier today I was reading that the United States in uh, developed countries has one of the highest hunger rates in this very country. Higher, and I know I did remember this, higher than India. Wow. More people are, the percentage of hunger in the United States is higher than the percentage of hunger in India. And like if people are frustrated with life, I don't know what to do, I'm bored, I hate this job, go work for a nonprofit and end hunger. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I hate, I don't, it sounds ridiculous, but no, no, I really think boredom ridiculous. and frustration come from a lack of not having a meaningful life. Well, and, and it can be meaningful. Right. If you reach out to others. Right. And make life meaningful by doing something that means something to you. 
Right. You know, right. we have to take responsibility yeah. for our meaningful life if we're going to have one. Right, right. And nobody's right. going to do it for us. Right. So, right. but I, I agree with you 100%. I think helping another person makes your life meaningful. Right. And also sharing what comes very deeply from our souls makes a huge difference, right. Right. you know. Yeah, and, and I look back on my life and, and I always think about that. It's like, you know, well, Adela, should you, you know, go... Uh, start a school in Nicaragua or something, you know, and, and I realized my gift is, are my poems and my teaching, Yeah, you know, and, and I'm doing that here in the United States, in California, in Santa Cruz, and I'm trying to do it as best I can. Yeah. And with every person I reach and every person I interact with, I, you know, of course I'm, I have been rude in my life. That is true, but I try not to. (laughs) (laughs) I try not to, I try the best I can. Yeah. And, and I think, um, uh, the arts is such a way for people to find that direction, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and you don't have to publish books. You don't have to, you know, be a professional artist. Just having art in your life is a way to think about what is meaningful in life. Absolutely. You know, and you can process it that way and, mm-hmm. and go on and, and, uh, go out there. I, I always think that, um, you can make change in the world, in the next confrontation you have with another human being, mm-hmm. right? How are you going to act towards the next person you meet? Right. And right. the change can start there. Exactly. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Well, when we come back, I want to talk more about your teaching. And uh, I'm with Adela Najarro, who is a teacher and also a poet who has two collections of poems, uh, Twice Told Over and Split Geography. And we'll be right back. Our musical selection is Celia Cruz, Ayora Escuendo.
evolve, nurturing the new in consciousness, the arts, and culture, with your host, Robin White Turtle Lizney. Evolve brings you people and ideas on the cutting edge of change, opening the shells of the past to move our culture into the now. We are all in great need of sustainable ideas for change. Evolve brings you the wise, the foolish, and the heart-based to help us meet the challenges of our times. Join us the third Thursday of the month at 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Evolve. Hi, we're back. This is Robin White Turtle Lisney, and the show is Evolve, and I'm with Adela Najarro, who is a teacher at Cabrillo College, as well as a poet of uh, two titles. Uh, one is Twice Told Over, and the other Split Geography. And uh, I wanted to talk a little more about your teaching, Adela, because you've got some wonderful classes that you're, that you're um, teaching there at the school. So can you talk a little bit about, especially the one that you that we mentioned in the beginning. Yeah, here, the, like, the Poetry for the People. Poetry for um, the People. There's still spaces available. It's English 12B at Cabrillo College. And what happened is um, the community college, Cabrillo College is a community college. So basically we teach introductory the first two years, the GE requirements, the requirements for the major, that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So of course we do creative writing um, for English majors who are going to transfer, but we also have a community college, so for people who want to do lifelong learning, um, that kind of thing. So we have a poetry class, but um, the state of California put a limit on the amounts of time that a person could take a class. So uh, our poetry classes can only be taken one time. Mm. And people, that doesn't make sense, but that's the comes from the state. And so we have um, 12B and 14B is a combined class. So what I'm trying to do with this class um, is I'm trying to reach the students out here in Santa Cruz County who are interested in exploring uh, creative writing and spoken word. Mm -hmm. And so I came across June Jordan's Poetry for the People, which she started at UC Berkeley many, many, many years ago. And it, it comes from the idea that everybody has a voice that can be developed and that should be articulated and heard. Mm -hmm. And so the class, instead of it being from me saying, hello, student, this is what you need to learn. Mm -hmm. It's going to come from the students mm -hmm. um, and develop what they want to learn, how they want to speak, how they want to, and um, what kind of poetry they want to read and investigate. And we're going to try to form a community supporting each other mm -hmm. and, and having everyone develop their voice mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in their way yeah. and and hopefully um, that will also lead to social justice because most times people want to talk about what really matters to them mm -hmm. and usually what matters is is things that are not right with the world and right. how do we deal with that mm -hmm. and so I'm trying to create an open space for that uh -huh. and um, we're going to have uh uh, readings of poetry at the end we I hope to put on a big show oh I hope to make a book from the students oh, work exciting, yeah. it should be exciting and if people are s scared of performing um, that's okay they could help us behind the scenes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right but we want to make it as a celebration of the voices within the community oh, as okay. we look at poetry and write poetry yeah 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 well I think the social justice issues are so up right now I mean with all of the 
the shootings that have gone on this year and that, you know, the spotlight on, you know, the, the killings that have happened in the inner city, especially, and then social justice with politics and the immigration issues. And there's so much to be mad about. Right. Now. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so when, when people sign up for the class, whatever is on their mind, mm-hmm. that is going to be the content of our work. Yeah. And we're going to develop that and we're going to make it into uh, spoken word pieces, poetry, written poetry pieces. Uh, there be access to blogging, but they don't have to blogging. You know, I'm trying to make sure it's a space where people can create and echo and state their voices and their ideas and yeah. I'm really excited about it. I think yeah. it'll be a lot of fun. That's a so lot great. of fun. Yeah. A creative space for, yeah. you know, to say something that matters. Yeah. You know? Well, spoken word is really big right now. I mean, a lot of young people are really migrating towards spoken word as part of the way they express their poetry. And um, I think it it is an important element of poetry today. I think the spoken word is... It's just such a an amazing art form. It's wonderful to see the slam poets, for instance, do their do their thing. Right, and and, and I hope um, to have guest speakers come in and uh-huh. look at videos and yeah. get a lot of inspiration from a lot of different ways and. An oh, avenue in the class. Be great. Yeah, be great. I've I'm got a couple people it. for you. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I, I do need. I please, if you can, yeah. um, support poetry Wednesday nights, six to nine p.m. Mm-hmm. English twelve B. If you've already taken that one, then you can sign up as English fourteen B. Okay, and be in the class. And um, I'm really excited to see what we'll put out at the end. Yeah, you know? sounds yeah. exciting. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like a great class. And most of your students, are they between like 18 and 25 or are no, they all different ages? All different ages, all oh. different ages. Recently, um, I just had a, a grandmother and her granddaughter are going to join us. Oh, how fun. So I think that'll be really exciting because yeah. the way I wrote about my grandmother, I think it'd be amazing for them to do a dual piece yeah. where the grandmother, you know, gives her point of view and the granddaughter gives her point of view. And yeah. I think that'd be really exciting about what, you know, what can we create? What can yeah. we do with language with our ideas with our experience yeah 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 Yeah. how exciting well it's been such a pleasure having you um i've been speaking to adela naharo who is the author of two books twice told over and split geography and uh she's a teacher at cabrillo college and she is uh having this great class called poetry for the people that's going to be a workshop Uh, for students to explore personal voice and social justice through poetry and spoken word. So if you're interested in taking a class from her, you have an opportunity coming up this spring. So Right. And and there's always financial aid available Uh at the community college, depending on your income level. Uh And the price, even for just the one class, is around $175, but Uh it's 16 weeks. Wow. That's almost four months. So, you know, and our taxes support community colleges. So come join me, 12B, 14B. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks so much, Adela. It's been a pleasure having you here. And um, this has been Evolve. Uh, I'm Robin White Turtle Listney, and uh, that's our show for today. Thanks again. Thank you, Robin. Okay.
mi amor. Buenas noches, mi amor. Cuánto deseaba estar junto a ti. Pues en mí, pues en mí no hay alegría. Si estás lejos de aquí. Al amanecer, al amanecer, al ver los rayos de luz, cuánto anhelaba que llegara la noche para estar junto a ti. Buenas noches, mi amor. Buenas noches, mi amor. Cuánto deseaba el estar junto a ti. Pues en mí, pues en mí no hay alegría. Si estás lejos de aquí Oh, good night, my love Buenas noches, mi amor Cuánto deseaba el estar junto a ti Pues en mí pues en mí no hay alegría si estás lejos de aquí. Al amanecer, al amanecer, al ver los rayos de luz, cuánto anhelaba que llegara la noche para estar junto a ti. Buenas noches, mi amor. Oh, good night, my love. Cuánto deseaba el estar junto a ti. Pues en mí, pues en mí no hay alegría si estás lejos de aquí. Oh, darling. Si estás lejos de mí, kiss me, my love. Si estás lejos de aquí. Thank you for joining us. This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows L I V E. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Carasella. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E for our live on-air call-in show, Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m.